0: The Laughter Permitted podcast is brought to you by Ally. Do it right.
1: Hey there, welcome to Laughter Permitted. I'm Julie Fowdy. I'm Lynn Ozawi. Hello to the Dope Village. Jules, this episode I thought was cool for a couple of reasons. hmm One, we did Laughter Permitted old school style where we were at a table in person. Mm-hmm. There were donuts. Old school. First interview actually like that. Since what? March? Pre-COVID? March 2020, pre-COVID. Yep. She <laughs> And the other cool factor about this episode is it features someone you would just want to hang around a table with and talk because she is super smart, thoughtful, funny, and is making really positive change in the world. And that is not an understatement.
0: CP. Mm. Our guest is U.S. soccer... Federation President, Cindy Parlo-Cone. And Cindy and I played together on the U.S. Women's National Team for many years. She is a Hall of Famer, two-time Olympic gold medalist. She also is a 99er. Yep, she won a World Cup in 1999. And Cindy played collegiate soccer at, don't hold it against her, the University of North Carolina, where she was a four-time All-American, two-time national champion she's also gone on to become a title-winning coach at all the various levels, grassroots, collegiate, and professional levels. And now she is the first female president of U.S. soccer. And, by the way, the first national team player to hold that position. And Cindy's impact literally has been immense. She was instrumental in getting the men's and women's teams to equal pay, which we talk about and is now working to affect systemic change in the game as we talk about the findings of the Sally Yates report and what needs to happen going forward. So, get comfortable listening. It's Cindy Parlow cone
2: <clears throat> ESPN Tournament Challenge is here. And guess what? I'm doing my bracket right now. Making picks, predicting upsets, winning my bracket group, and leaving my old life as a part-time voice actor behind. Hey, you never know. And if I can do it while recording this awesome commercial, you can too. Anyone can bracket. Download the ESPN Tournament Challenge app to play the number one bracket game. Presented by Capital One.
1: Kick back, relax, and unwind. Let's
2: have a good time finding the joy in life so bright talking and laughing combined feeling all right get comfortable listening it's
0: laughter permitted we're in person yes finally ah oh, and for the record we have donuts for the first time in a long time because we haven't been in person but i didn't get them <laughs> And I didn't eat them. <laughs> you didn't eat them. I'm not that nice. You're not that hungry. You're correct. <laughs> Janae Blackburn got them for us. ESPNW Summit Tradition. She always brings me donuts. Isn't that sweet? That is very it's kind. of my friends who's always who's always comes. She's awesome. It's
2: a good way to buy your love. Yeah, it is.
0: <laughs> I'm so easy. <laughs> it's so easy. It's that obvious, isn't it? Um Cindy can you set the scene of where we are? Yeah, we are in beautiful
2: Ojai, California. Mm-hmm. Um I have never been here before, but it is absolutely majestic. Um we are here at the ESPNW Summit and we are hanging out in person in Julie Foudy's
0: cool suite. Um like, <laughs> full disclosure, this is the swankest suite I have ever had. It's pretty My impossible. sister stayed with me. We walked in. We were like, what? This is amazing. And the, and the bell man was like, settle down, sister. Same. When I walked into
2: mine, I have two, like, full-size tubs. My <laughs> kid, who's five years old, I'm like, he can – it's like a swimming pool to him. It's so big. <laughs> and I was like, two tubs. Like, there's only one of me.
1: Like, oh, we're at the – Very nice Ojai Valley Inn. That's very nice. Thank you, Ojai Valley Inn. Thank you,
0: ESPNW, for the summit. Okay, but then we were talking about how long you've been president. You have been Madam President of U.S. Soccer for two and a half years. Is that right? Yeah,
2: since March 2020. (gasps) How's it been? Um, Do you want to lie down on the couch? (laughs) uh, (laughs) Instead of donuts, (laughs) we might need some wine for this. (laughs) (laughs) No, you know, it, it's been hard. I mean, <laughs> yeah, there are like some really heavy things that we've had to deal with as a federation. Um, but also, like, I just feel so proud that I'm actually in a position to affect change and to make a difference in our world. That's not
0: being paid for either. That's not what? That doesn't get any money, oh. <laughs> which still just irks the friggin' hell out of me.
1: It irks you. It blows my mind. The U.S. soccer president is an unpaid position. Yeah.
0: And, I mean, I probably – I'm going to underestimate this. I'm guessing you spend at least 60 hours a week on
1: it.
2: Yeah, I think in a slow week it's probably around 60.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there's this whole thing we of equal pay that, that – we, we have to change
2: that. Yeah, I mean, it's it's just all-consuming, and, and, you know – I've kind of stopped saying, oh, if we get to this point or if we solve Mm. this issue or if we do that, um, then it's gonna calm down and it just never calms down. So, um, I mean, part of the thing is, is that we had a lot of big things that we needed to solve and we're still working to solve. And so it's not just all the time on emails, on Zooms and traveling, like that's a lot, but it also like the things that keep me up at night, like trying to like think through and solve it, like, like talking about equal pay, like the hours of sleep that I lost on that and like trying to figure out like, Mm -hmm. how do we move this forward? Um, and just feeling like the weight of the world on my shoulders to like, to figure out the path forward on it. Mm -hmm. It was, it's
0: heavy at times. Mm -hmm. Uh, And we will talk equal pay for sure. But let's first talk about what happened a month after, which is crazy too, is only a month after the official signing of those CBAs, which we did after the U.S. Women's National Team game in, um, in Washington, D.C. on September 6th, I believe. About a month later, the Sally Yates report comes out. And of course, this was based on the Mae Glenahan article and her excellent reporting that had come out a year prior. And because of that article, where there was coach misconduct, uh, that two players, Monashim and Sinead Farley, reported, you guys hired, so you, Cindy, and the Federation hired Sally Yates, who's the former U.S. Deputy Attorney General, and her team to do an independent investigation. And it took them a year, but on October 3rd, that Sally Yates report came out. And I know um, you have been very emotional talking about it. I'm sorry to take you back to this, but I know it's also something that uh, you think about every day, but what was your initial reaction to it? You know, I think I had a lot
2: of reactions. Um, outrage, heartbreaking, um, just infuriating um, and, and disgusted by it. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's a difficult document to read. Obviously, we got a glimpse at it with Meg Linehan's reporting, as you said, and once I had read that, you know, I knew that I needed the best kick-ass investigator there was, and they needed to be independent. Was that
1: your first reaction? Almost, we have to dive into this and get to the bottom of what's going on.
2: Yeah, you know, um I'm a let's get shit done kind of president. <laughs> <laughs> um,
1: what I
0: love about <laughs> you, high five that out. <laughs> I'm, I'm
2: about taking action and and trying to solve problems, and so. And I'll be honest, I didn't know how to solve the problem. I didn't even know, I don't like, it was such a, it was so awful that I was like, okay, what are the things that are contributing to this? What allowed this to happen and how do we change it? Um, and it was really important to me to hire the best. Mm-hmm. um and i think Sally Yates did a great job she's obviously has a great reputation she's purely independent but she also has dealt with sensitive topics like this and i knew she would take a vic- victim centered approach which was really important to do as well mm-hmm. and we had two main goals one how did this happen and how do we prevent it from ever mm-hmm. happening again and throughout the process we i, I made her promise me like if you find out anything that we need to change immediately if there's anyone on staff at u.s soccer in one of our leagues let us know um that we need to remove and so mm-hmm. you know she never had to use that it, you know it's but it's just been like a constant like thing that's been weighing on my mind and like how do we approach this in the year waiting for sally Yates, like i wanted to take action like that's mm-hmm. my personality like let's let's solve this but I didn't wanna take action just to take action. I wanted to make sure that the action we were taking was going to, to prevent this from happening again. Um, and so that's why I'm excited about Sally Yates recommendations and my board voted unanimously to implement them all. So we are full speed ahead working on implementing them all.
1: What was the experience like reading it?
2: Um, hard, you know, I, I've, read it three times now and i think my brain is like protecting me like i i literally can't take it all in people will say hey and they'll talk about a specific aspect of the report and i'm like that's not in there
1: you know it that well or is that
2: no i didn't think it was in there but it's in there mm-hmm. but it's like just
0: it is hard to absorb it, it all it is
2: really hard to absorb all and obviously i have de- dedicated my entire life to this game and so it's very emotional and it's very personal personal for me. I coached Manashem. I, I, I brought her into the Portland Thorns, found her an open tryout. Wow, um, she I didn't be- know that. She became a starter at, uh, mm-hmm. at Portland for me and mm-hmm. contributed to the championship team in 2013. And so, so much of this story was very personal to me and mm-hmm. it was, it was hard to absorb it all at once. Um, but now it's been almost a month. And so, um, I've been able to work through it, so now I do know it actually is in there. Um, but it, it was weird, like um, how my brain was like protecting itself
0: because mm. it it is so hard to read. When you think about all that's in there, the thing that gets me too is the scope of it. I mean, one of the things that is chilling is Sally H. says in the report that this abuse is normalized at the youth level, and she said that's out of our purview of this investigation but it's something that US soccer needs to look into and so where where do you even start with that and and what's the biggest challenge you see with it being and i and i know this doesn't just live in the women's soccer silo i mean this is something that across the much board much bigger than women's soccer yeah, yeah is across the board you hear story after story and sport after sport and And not just in sports, of course, but what, what are the things that you're like, we've got to do this and this is how we're going to tackle, we're going to tackle this huge challenge.
2: Yeah, I don't think it's one thing. There's no silver bullet to solve this. Um, It's going to be a lot of different things, and it's going to require collaboration, cooperation, communication among many different people and entities. So we've set up a board committee led by Daniel Satan, a former teammate of Jules and me, to really focus on the the recommendations that Sally Yates put forth to get those implemented as soon as possible. And then we set up a broader task force to to look at exactly what you're talking about Jules the 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 larger landscape of soccer in our country and how do we really Mm -hmm. start to um, combat some of these issues um, that the normalization as you said in the youth game Um, and it's going to take a lot Part of it is governance and structure and policies. Um, part of it is educating what is normal behavior, what is good behavior, what does a good coach look like. Mm-hmm. Um, educating the parents on how how to spot um, inappropriate behaviors. And speak up. Yeah, and speak up yeah. and where to speak up. Mm-hmm. You know, Educating the players, the coaches, the administrators, everyone on what is good coaching, what's positive coaching, um, where the line is between a coach who's a good coach and and critiquing players versus abusing players.
1: Mm -hmm. Um, Like, I don't think it's so sad that (laughs) that's a line that has to be drawn. Yeah, yeah, I would imagine every one of us at this table has mm -hmm. experienced some level of verbal abuse from a coach. Obviously, the level of abuse as evident in the report can be much more extensive, but that there is an acceptance Mm-hmm. Yeah, from coaches? Kind of, is it a free pass? I don't know if, if either of you have thought about that. What is it that allows for that type of behavior but I, to I be think acceptable? You,
2: I think you bring up a really good point. Um, and, and part of it is culture, right? Um, and it's really hard to build a culture. Um, we've all been on teams. We've all been a part of teams and building a culture of a team. is hard changing a culture um, the culture of youth soccer, the culture of youth sports, mm-hmm. is there's not just one thing you need to approach or to, to change it. Um, it has to have a holistic approach, and I'm really excited. We brought on Monashem to lead this task force to look at the broader landscape and how do we do part education, part policy governance um and look at all these different pillars within our sport and the culture and how do we really start to change the culture
0: and we accept too much as parents like we look at a coach because they've had to your question mm-hmm. they've had a successful career or this coach in the youth system has always won and you know about those coaches but you know they, they're kind of harsh is mm-hmm. what you hear from the parents tough, tough love yeah they're tough you know but you know you that's what you got to go through because he's a really good coach where mm-hmm. she's a really good coach. And so as parents, you kind of brush it off like, oh, well, they're successful. Like maybe it's okay. And that's part of what Sally Yates talks about in the report is how so many players talked about like, well, that's just how it always was like, and parents never said anything because I want that D one scholarship. I don't want to be the parent that, you know, this is what they're thinking. I don't want to be the parent that speaks up and, you know, my kid's cut from the team or she doesn't play anymore. I mean, there's all these. But I think it's also important to remember
2: that this doesn't just happen at the elite levels. Mm It doesn't just happen with kids that are looking to go to Division I colleges to play a sport. Mm -hmm. Right? This is happening at every level of the game. I've seen inappropriate behavior from a U11 recreational coach. <laughs> sure. <laughs> you know, oh, yeah. so I, I think it's much broader than just the elite. I think it m- perhaps is worse at the elite level because there is so much more invested from mm-hmm. the family and from the kids, um, and a sense of there's a lot more to lose at that level. Mm-hmm. But um, this is pervasive throughout youth sports. And so to tackle this, it's it's going to take a lot and then a lot of people jumping in and people are, we're going to need buy-in too. Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: What would be one tangible example of something that can be done that can start a ripple effect or at least touch on something that can change?
2: Um, I think one thing is educating,
1: right? Educating
2: parents, players, coaches on what positive coaching looks like you know, in yeah. giving really good examples of um, bad behavior and thinking about like your kid in math class. You know, if a coach was like, we worked on this yesterday, why do you not, why can't you do it? <laughs> yeah. Like what parent would put up with that from a math teacher, mm-hmm. right? And I didn't even cuss, <laughs> you know, <laughs> um, but, for some reason, when it's on the soccer field or basketball court or you pick your sport, it has been Mm -hmm. normalized in that that's okay. Mm -hmm. That is not okay.
1: Yeah, Mm -hmm. and that's important. That's, this is the the president of US soccer saying, that is not okay.
2: And plus, if you went over and over it and the kid doesn't get it, there's probably something wrong with your
0: coaching. (laughs) Right? (laughs) Yeah, it's on you coach, not them. (laughs) Uh, as Billie Jean King, I saw her at the Women's Sports Foundation, uh, said to me when she said, uh, it's been a heavy couple of weeks, mm. hasn't it? And I said, yeah, really has. It's been really hard.
1: That happened right around the time of the Sally yeah. Hayes report.
0: Yeah. And, um, and she said, change can be painful and this will be growth and this <laughs> will change what has been needing to be changed for a very long time.
2: I agree. And like, I have hope um, that this will have a galvanizing effect and really motivate people to make the change that needs to be made. Um, like, I'll give one example um, the USOPC background checks. Like, to move to that standard of everyone um, in the soccer ecosystem doing the USOPC background checks is going to cost people more. Mm hmm. But that is a cost that we all should be willing to yeah. take on to, to try to pro- add another layer of protection for mm-hmm. the kids. Mm-hmm. Will it solve everything? No, there's nothing that will solve right. everything. Right. But these are the types of steps and types of buy-in and types of investment that we need to make to do everything we can to make sure our kids are safe.
0: Speaking of investments, and speaking of another thing on your plate as president over the last two and a half years is, the equal pay deal and what that means to the women's team, of course, to the men's team as well. And honestly, the, the thing that intrigues me the most is the ripple effect of this moment, because again, some context for listeners who may not know, Cindy was very instrumental as president in finally getting the CBAs, the collective bargaining agreements of both the men's and women's teams signed. And they were truly equal. A lot of federations have said they were equal. They are not equal. This was equalizing world cup FIFA prize money, which was always the big elephant in the room because there was such a different payout from, from FIFA for the men being successful as there was for the women. And Um, To get that done and the ripple effect that will have, you have to already be seeing that. What are you noticing?
2: Yeah, you know, I've had several different federations from other countries reach out to me trying to figure out how we got it done. Um, You know, and it wasn't easy. I mean, Jules, we have been in this equal pay fight for over two decades together. It only took us about four (laughs) decades, honestly. You know, and... (laughs) You know, obviously, this was top of mind for me as soon as I became president, and it took me two and a half years to actually get to this point. So um, it definitely wasn't a straight line. It wasn't easy. How did you do it?
1: (laughs) Come on, give us the good dirt. I don't think Cindy has slept in two and a half (laughs) years. That might be the secret. I
0: mean, mean, how the heck do you get both of those teams to go, yes, we're going to sign this deal? Well,
2: I think there was a lot that allowed it to happen. I think one is that our men's national team was out of contract. So, and the women's national team's contract was coming to an end. And so we had this like moment in time that we'd never had before where both teams needed to negotiate their CBAs. And, you know, I kept pushing to get to one contract. Um, And, no one believed that we could do it. My team didn't believe it. You didn't believe it. No, I love the idea. <laughs> you love the idea, but you didn't think, think we'd get to it. <laughs> <laughs> I
0: like, yes, I love that
2: one pot idea. <laughs> yeah, my my family didn't think we'd get to it. Um, the, I don't think the players believed it. Um, but I I just felt like we had this moment in time, and you know, equal pay was forever going to be elusive unless it was the same. Um, because otherwise, you're if you have two different contracts, it's exactly. always going to be like where is equal, what is equal. Yeah. Um, so for me, there was only one path forward: is to have one contract. I didn't get quite to one contract, but we got all the terms in both contracts the same. Um, so I'm happy where we landed. I'm I, I gave up on the one contract thing, but um, you know, I think one of the turning points is when. We drew the line in the sand and we said there will be no new CBAs unless there is equalization of World Cup prize money. Um, And, you know, I give our women's national team and their PA, the men's national team and their PA, um, a lot of credit for coming together um, and working together and figuring it out. Um, Mm. You know, to have the three different organizations at the same table negotiating. I mean, I don't know how many of your listeners have ever negotiated a CBA, but it is exhausting <laughs> and challenging. So There's not much fun about it. Negotiating two CBAs at once, um, people thought was going to be impossible. And by the way, the settlement for the women's national team litigation was weighing in the balance yeah. till after the CBA deals were done. Right. So there was a lot going on. Mm.
0: It's just an energy drain all around when you should be focused on, you know, winning world cups or building the grassroots or building out, you know, these teams, these youth teams and all these things you could be doing. It just takes away all this money and time and energy from it. So I commend you for that. I I think the challenge and I'm interested in the duality of this moment because you have, you know, this incredible moment where they're signing these CBAs on the field and these collective bargaining of agreements for these players. And then just a month later, the Sally Yates report and comes out. So when you think about all that's ahead in the future, what what does the future look, for soccer look like in this country going forward?
2: You know, I think we have great momentum and we're going in a good direction. We still have a lot of work to do. Um, I think as a federation, we have kind of turned the Titanic, so to speak, and are moving in a positive direction. Um, But as Sally Yates report pointed out very clearly, like we have systemic issues, not just in soccer, but in sports in general. Um, And so we are facing them full on, full transparency in everything that we're doing. Um, So the future of our sport I think is really bright, but we do, Need to solve a lot of the issues because you know if the players aren't safe, nothing else matters, right? right? That that is at central to the importance of this. And who would want to put their kid in a sport right. um, when we can't guarantee their their safety and emotional and and well-being? So um, so that is first and foremost for us. Then what I'm looking to to make happen over the next couple of years because this isn't going to change in a month like we're not going to solve this problem (laughs) and by january right so this is going to take a long time um and as we're implementing these recommendations we're going to figure out like oh we need to do this too that wasn't even a part of the investigation and then we have the nwsl mpa joint investigation coming out um sometime in the next couple of months i guess um but hopefully they'll have recommendations Mm -hmm. so um so there's a lot that we need to do um but like i said before i think this is really going to have a galvanizing effect i've already seen it like the number of people jumping in you know we, we started putting this task force together and the number of staff members from u.s soccer that jumped in and wanted to help the number of emails that i received from people all across our soccer ecosystem wanting to be on this task force um, so that was really encouraging and uplifting. Um, if I put all of them on it, it would probably nothing would get done. So we have to limit it a little bit. But I think the future is bright because now everything is out in the open and we know yeah. what we need to solve for. And no one, like it, it's like you say about flash. We, we, we've pulled out the flashlight. We've, we've shown the light on um, the issues in our sport. And so now we've got to work to change it and we have to work with everyone.
1: Clearly this is a pivotal moment in U.S. soccer. And how do you think your experience as a national team player gives you a different lens from previous U.S. soccer presidents? You know,
2: I, I don't think it's just my lens as a player. I, I think it's more holistic like than that. I think it's my experience in the sport and everything. So from my experience as a youth player, to college player, to national team player, youth national teams, um, professional teams, but also my experience in coaching at every level of the game. Every team that I was on, whether as a coach, as a player, I was always learning. And it has impacted who I am as a person, um, who I was as a coach, who I am as a leader, as president of US soccer, so, you know, I we always we're here at the ESPNW summit, so like it's it's really interesting to hear the different stories from different sports, and I think it's similar. Like, and I know just being an executive now, and like every company is looking for athletes because of all the skills that they develop mm-hmm. through playing team sports, whether it's high school, college, professional, what have you. Um, and I really feel like for me, that has impacted um, my ability. To be a leader in this moment, um, it might not have been something that I like chose, but when I was, it was thrust upon me. I
1: I was ready to lead. We have two 99ers sitting here in the same room, so on behalf of the Dope Village, I would be remiss to not get some 99ers story out of. Uh, Uh, definitely Cindy and maybe Julie you would be you'd be kind to actually talk about yourself every once in a while no
2: (laughs) I can talk about Jules what do you want to (laughs) know
1: I got lots of stories about Jules so maybe either a favorite 99 er story or something that reflects how it's impacted you now as a leader
2: oh that's so easy
1: Um, so my
2: first training session with the national team um, I was 17 years old um, so of course I knew everything Um, (laughs) And Tony De Chico was our coach, and he was directing like where he wanted all the goals moved for the next part of the session. And Jules and Carla <laughs> like sprinted to the farthest goal. Oh,
0: thank God. To carry I thought it. you are going to say something like
2: <laughs> You never know where my stories are going to yeah, go. Jules and Carla were like, yo, you, get <laughs> it. No, exactly the opposite. You guys sprinted. Um, like there was a prize to who could get to the farthest goal to move. And, and I was like. Competitive
0: with our goal moving. Yeah. I'm this
2: 17-year-old kid and I'm like, man, these people like to move goals. I'm just going to like have a sip of water while they're moving the goals. Um, but it, it took me a while and I was like, wait, no one enjoys moving goals. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and you know I realized in that moment that they were demonstrating to me servant leadership and that no job was too big or too small for the two leaders of our team to do Um, not only did they move a goal because they could have easily moved the closest goal that had to go the shortest distance they sprinted and like I'm not just like a lazy jog, they they literally sprinted to the goal like it is this is ingrained in my memory Mm -hmm. Um, and carried it um, to where Tony wanted it and so that for me was one moment. And then another one was Jules and Carla were so great at getting to know each player because, you know, if you don't invest in the people and you don't get to know them, mm-hmm. then they're not going to listen to you. They're not going to have the, um, you're not going to get the most out of them. And, you know, leadership and telling people what they need to do or trying to push people to do things. If you don't know the people and if they don't know that you care about them, then it feels more like dictatorship than leadership. And so those two things from Jules as well as Carla have just really stuck with me.
0: What's the quote? They don't care about what you know until they know you care. I think it's is that right? They don't care what you know until they know
2: how much you care. They don't care how much you know until you mm-hmm. they know how much know you care.
0: care. It's good. It's good. Aww, That's teammates. Nice. The thing I always tell about CP is that I, I use this example a lot at the Leadership Academy. Is and when I'm talking about why our teams were successful, and you go down, literally, you go down the line of the teams that have won, and been successful and it's always the players from one to 20 on the roster get it and cp whether she was starting whether she was on the bench and she had you had a period was it 99 actually i don't know where was it later the story, oh, so. sorry.
2: <laughs> i know we're teammates but i still can't read your mind <laughs>
0: When you would like, you'd start a game and then you'd be on the bench the next game. And then you'd start a game and then you'd be on the bench. It was like this kind of this roller coaster. And I could... Welcome to life doing CBAs. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Well, and it was your period on the national team where you you would start and then you'd sit and you'd start. And for a lot of players that becomes a negative in a sense that they're like, oh, I'm not starting again. Or, oh, I can't believe this coach is not put me in. He's putting me on this roller coaster. And it's up and down, up and down. Cindy was just always so steady. And it's like, you you knew she wanted to be starting, but she was never going to complain about it. She wasn't going to sit on the bench sulking. And how many times have we seen that, the person on the end of the bench sulking because they're not starting. Instead, she was just like, I'm here to make you better. If I'm not in, I'm here to make you better. And that's when I was like, my love for Cindy Knows No Bounds because that's hard. People, especially at a young age, you were young. You started really young on the national team, as you mentioned, 17. So to be able to put that into place that early and be like, I'm here. I'm all in. And I'm I'm buying it. And the we is greater than the me. So, yeah, I don't think I started there. <laughs> no, I think, no one does. But I, you got there. Yeah. and I Not think,
2: many people get there. I think that was from you all's leadership because – I don't think I was there when I got to the national team. Um, I don't think I was a great teammate all growing up because I was so focused on doing what I needed to do. I always just wanted to be the best um, at everything that I was doing that I didn't always look out for my teammates and and looking outside of myself and thinking about how I can help my teammates. Um, and it wasn't until I got to the national team and that was demonstrated what good leadership is, what a good teammate is, um, and it was demonstrated by you and Carla and Mia and like all of our teammates that even though the 17-year-old kid coming in that could take one of our spots, that you guys took the time to reach out to me to try to make me feel as comfortable as I could as soon as I could, knowing that Mm. one day I could take your spot or someone else's spot, like it just meant the world to me. And so it really made me want to be a better teammate, want to be a better person, because I had realized that I hadn't done that for my teammates on my previous teams. And I think that's really what drove me into coaching.
1: So it seems we can do, we can do a thread that someone who experienced that culture is so cognizant of how meaningful that culture is is now trying to shift an entire sport toward toward that
2: yeah you know I I mean I, I think there's a lot in there to unpack but you know I think one thing for me someone asked me what's two things that bring you joy and one of them was celebrating other people's success i really suck at celebrating my own successes (laughs) but i really love watching other people succeed and celebrating them
0: that's like one of my favorite traits in humans what when you can celebrate others so important i agree
2: Mm -hmm. but it also requires you to see the value in -hmm. others as well Mm -hmm. and to not be jealous that because I know there there there's so many people that are so much better at me than a lot of things um so to be able to value each individual within a team like our CFO just won CFO of the year in Chicago and like I she sent me her 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 speech and like pictures and it was like it just made my day like Mm -hmm. to see her being celebrated um was fantastic for me but I think that's the culture from the national team, like everyone wanted to be a starter. You you won't talk to any athlete that didn't want to be a starter. Um, But that didn't mean that you were hoping that the player that was playing in front of you broke her ankle so that you could get in. You wanted her to be successful because if she's successful, the team's successful.
1: This is why I love the 99ers. (laughs) Just the greatest team in the history of sports, period.
0: You're a little biased, but. We are. I've I've hung around. Of course we
1: are. (laughs) (laughs) And that leads me into the Lynn game. Oh, no. Which is going to be I'm I'm bringing it back. This is this is becoming a tradition. If there is a 99er on the pod, it's going to be a know your 99ers Lynn game. (sighs) I got this. We have a choice of squeaky toys since you were the guest, Cindy. Would you prefer the green pig or the chocolate frosted donut?
2: You know, I love Jules, so I can't take the donut away from her. So I'll go with the squeaky peg.
0: Oh,
1: Swaggy will love you. <laughs> she loves Greeny. She loves little Greeny. I think you know the game because you are a part of the Dope Village. Five questions, all multiple choice, best of five wins. And here is question one. According to Wikipedia, how tall is Mia Ham? Oh. Is she A5'5"? B, five, five and a quarter. Or C, five, six.
0: (laughs) (laughs) You got it. (laughs) We have video evidence. Go to bar. Um, five, 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 five and a quarter or five, six.
1: Those are the options.
0: I am going with five, five and a quarter because I think you would love that
1: incorrect oh
0: shoot i think she's 5'4
2: <laughs> <laughs> she might be s- because i'm 5'11 and a quarter um so everyone seems a little short <laughs> to me um but i'm gonna say that she said she was 5'6
1: incorrect to <gasps> oh, wikipedia mia ham is five foot five inches tall okay love you Meach. Question okay. two. When is Brandy Chastain's birthday? Is it A, May first, B, June thirteenth, or C, July 20th? We
0: were both waiting for it. I got it again. The
1: last one. C. C, C, C.
0: Oh my god, we have birthday threads going all the time.
1: We know everyone's birthday. Was that but, Julie? Did she get in? Yeah. It was so It was her. Okay.
0: <gasps> Integrity. When you close the gap be saying
1: (laughs) what what you you say say and and what what you you do do.
0: jenny levy okay
1: and the answer your your answer c okay i didn't even hear you say c which is so okay correct i
2: know she's right Mm -hmm.
1: question three where was carla overbeck born texas incorrect is it a incorrect bismarck north so it goes to julie Okay. bismarck north dakota b torrance california or c pasadena california <sighs> julie
0: pasadena california correct <laughs> I, knew it was there. I mean i didn't know it was there i knew it was torrance there but i guessed it right
1: she lived in texas though
0: she did she did, <laughs>
1: I, did. I forgot Question four, how long did Christine Lilly play for the national team? Wait, (laughs) she's
2: still on the national team. (laughs) Wait, she's not playing anymore? (laughs) Yeah, I think
0: she is.
1: Is it A, 23 years, B, 25 years, or C, 27 years?
0: Okay, wait, let's do the math real quick. (laughs) I got in first so then I could do the math. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Julie, I'm
0: putting to like
1: 25 years. Incorrect. What are my two numbers left? 23 years or 27 years? <sighs> 23. Correct. <sighs> Question five. Okay. Well, we might need a tie break. Question five: Where did Kate Markgraf go to college? Notre Dame. Oh, that's so easy! Why? Can't, I thought it was gonna be where was born. I was waiting. <gasps> or middle name. Okay. So tiebreak. I'm I'm really excited for oh, this. Yeah, We're oh, gonna yeah. do rock paper scissors a tie break in real life, in person. Oh wait, what? we are. Yeah. We're not squeaking. No, it's rock paper scissors. It's two two. Okay. This is ruining. It's like penalty shots. Okay.
0: Rock, paper, scissors. Then you go on shoot. Okay, I got you. You got it. I got you. I'm kind of stressed. I'm sweating.
1: (laughs) It's not
2: worth sweating over. (laughs) I'm stressed. Equal pay is something to stress over. I really like to win this game. (laughs) And you don't do it very often. (laughs) I'm
0: not president. I have nothing else to stress about. Okay, ready? Rock, paper, scissors, shoot!
1: Sydney Parlow takes rock, paper, scissors with scissors I was over up paper. 2 0 as takes, well. Takes the Lynn game. Yeah. Don't ever it? count
2: me out, Jules. Oh my God. Don't, don't tell me I can't do something. How about uh, some most pressing questions? Uh,
0: most
1: pressing questions. What book should everyone read? Oh, that is a great question. Um,.
2: I'm gonna go with the power of one <gasps> bryce courtney yep mm, the best and all his other books are great as yeah. well
0: that's so good that's my favorite too when do we read that that we read that on the national team together at some point i remember when we all had oh colleen it all comes back to flash dr colleen yeah flash i think she Akin. recommended that to us i read it before then did I, you yeah um best tennessee accent oh you want me to do my best yeah. tennessee accent because yeah, i love it i love it <laughs> <laughs> i really love cindy? cindy i love it yours is terrible <laughs> <laughs> cindy it's your mama call me <laughs> <laughs> that was the that was the voicemail i always got
2: you know, sometimes when I call home, I just I just have to turn on my accent so people can understand me there. <laughs> do you really, no. like, when you go home, do you really have to change how you talk? No, I don't. You do <laughs> okay, oh, I, I think you should. That'd be good. Why? Because. You, you saying I need to change who I am? Change you.
1: <laughs> you what about this interview you, has made you, you believe that? You be
0: you, Cindy. <laughs> oh that's good all right high low cheer high of your career cindy low of your career and then someone you're thankful for who's helped you along the way Uh, so
2: high of my career is probably joining the women's national team because quite literally it changed the course of my life Mm. um the friends that I've met, the education that I received, um, the confidence that I built, the leadership skills, um, friends for life, um, and it has literally helped put me in the position that I am in today to impact positive change.
0: Mm. That's a good one.
2: Hello. I mean, it's kind of a tie between Meg Linahan's report and the Yates report. As we've talked about, like, it's so personal for me. And so, I mean, for all of us that care about our sport and care about people or women in general. Um, but it's just, it has been so devastating to read about a sport that I've dedicated my life to people that I care deeply mm-hmm. about to have to go through this. Um, but on the flip side of it, like like I said, in my first answer on the high, like I'm also thankful that I'm in a position to create positive change.
0: Indeed you are.
2: Cheer. Can I have two cheers? Mm-hmm. You know, I would say my, my national team teammates, um, Excluding Jules.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I was like, "Oh, Yeah, no. Um,
2: You know, when I joined the national team, it was the first time that I really felt at home. It was the Mm. first time that I felt like, or that I knew that there were other people, other women out there like me. And throughout my entire life, from the moment I joined the national team at 17 to today, you guys are my rock. Like mm-hmm. you, when things have been really bad during the presidency, you guys are who I turn to um, to this day. And so you all have been there for me every step of the way, cheering me on, lifting me up when I needed mm-hmm. it, putting me in my place when I need it. So that's one chair. And my other chair is for my husband. He's always been super awesome, but especially during the last two and a mm-hmm. half years. Um, he's just really been my rock. He's taking on a lot more at home because I'm working so much and, you know, he just knows me so well. Like he can tell, like when we're laying in bed at night, how I'm breathing, like my level of stress, (laughs) um, you know, and then when the Sally Yates report came out, um, it was hard for me to tell my part of that story. Um, and like he didn't really, he's like, I want to do something for you, but I don't know what to do for you. Mm-hmm. Um, so he went out and bought plants. He's like, and I'm like, plants. <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, that is so adorable. isn't it? But oh you know, you know me, I was like plants really. And he's like, I know, but I didn't know what to do for you. And I just oh, wanted to do something. Oh like, he's goodness, like, He's God. just unbelievable. Oh, oh, wow. Wow. Yeah, and That's fantastic. And he's just been there and been my rock and has just really helped me especially during the down moments um of of this presidency but obviously he's been there for me much longer than just my presidency role but those are my two cheers yeah i'm gonna
0: add one my cheer. i get a cheer <laughs> wait you're changing the rules of because, your own game yeah because because i can okay <laughs> Um, and I will shout this from the rooftops till the day I die, but to have someone like you, I cheer you because here we are in this really important time in our sport. And I think in the women's space and you've played the game, you've lived the game, you've coached the game at all these different levels. You understand people and empathy and all these elements that are going to go into changing the culture as we've talked about in this entire podcast and you are perfectly suited for that and so I am so grateful that you when elected as president were like yeah a volunteer position I'm on it I'm going to do this and I'm going to embrace it and I am going to run with it because that's what you're doing send and your legacy on what you're able to change beyond equal pay but this next phase is something that is so needed and I couldn't think of a more perfect person to be in that position right now than you.
2: Thanks. I think Grant Wall wrote a great story about the 99ers and who would be probably the last person (laughs) that you would choose from the 99ers to be president of Soccer, And I think that was me.
0: (laughs) Grant Wall is always wrong anyways.
2: (laughs) He didn't say last, but definitely. You're not
0: always wrong, Grant. I like you just that time.
2: (laughs) But thank you. Um, But literally I I couldn't do what I'm doing without the support that I've been given and, um, our staff at U.S. Soccer and oh, players jumping coming. on
0: board. You know? We're cutting this off.
1: Okay. I knew that was coming. I wonder if there's a goal nearby that the two of you can go move together. <laughs> I like, think that'd be a good way to end this. I can't keep up with her and Carla.
2: Like, they sprint <laughs> We're to <gonna> them. sprint.
0: <laughs> I'm going to sprint to the Bloody Mary table, actually.
2: <laughs> literally, that there's... was my first training session. My first training session
0: <laughs> with the full national team. Well, now we just literally sprint to the bar. <laughs>
2: We don't sprint anywhere anymore. <laughs> we,
0: we, live, we hobble. We live. Drag a, drag a leg behind us. <laughs> First one to the Moscow Mule. For the record, I beat her running to the Mule. Not that I'm competitive. I still have knees. Uh... Love me some, Cindy. Yes. Cindy, is your, your mama. mama. <laughs> Call me.
1: <laughs> Takeaways. Lynn, you go first. I feel that with Cindy at the helm of U.S. soccer, it is as though there is an adult in the room. Mm-hmm. She said, if the players aren't safe, nothing else matters. Mm-hmm. It's profound. Mm-hmm. And I think she is the exact right person at this at this time mm-hmm. mm-hmm.
0: yeah because who's gonna put their kid into something where they don't feel like they're being protected or safe or taken care of um yeah and for me what she's doing is so damn hard on top of all that she's doing and has done with equal pay and what she's doing Uh, with the Sally Yates report and and instilling some of these recommendations and what is going to come out to be systemic change in the game. She's coaching, she's parenting, she's traveling, she's doing this and volunteering her time for the good of the game. And that in itself should be a huge ass medal. (laughs) <laughs> I don't know what kind of medal it is, but put a medal around that woman because it is never ending. and I'm I'm just super proud that she's able to do it all and that, as I said, that she is the one that's in this position because she is gonna lead
1: us out of it. How about instead oh, of a medal, a large six to seven figure salary?
0: <laughs> yeah, right? Facts. As the kids <laughs> say, facts. Come on, let's get on that. This should not be a volunteer position. It actually went to a vote and I don't think it passed. I could be wrong on that, but I think in the last board meeting it went to a vote and it didn't get through the members. So
1: (sighs) questions permitted. What we got? This question comes via Instagram from at Witters underscore co. She asks, my 11-year-old daughter, Josie, has a question for Julie What is your Uh, favorite place to buy donuts?
0: Yeah, Josie. Talking my language. (laughs) Most pressing questions. I love these. Mm -hmm. Um, That is an easy one, Josie. My favorite place to buy donuts is this great little place in San Juan Capistrano called JD Flannel Donuts and Coffee, if you haven't been there. What's really convenient for those of you driving down the five... You're heading south, heading towards San Diego, coming from wherever. You just pop off in San Juan. Google it. J is in jewels. D is in donuts. <laughs> I think it actually sta- stands for uh, ja- John David. Um, and they do wear flannel. And it's so good. It's so good. Lynn, maybe is it's
1: maybe not Lynn's <laughs> favorite donut shop. Well, I but wasn't, don't let that dissuade I you. I wasn't going to say anything. I do not want to i d I don't wanna mm-hmm. I don't wanna sell out JD flannel. I well, had that's just
0: cause you got you had a tummy ache. I had it t-
1: I had a tummy ache that day and I Yeah when I had when I experienced JD flannel. So for me it's more surf and donuts in San Clemente that I would lean lean Which toward.
0: is very much yeah, that's also really good. <laughs> I've been trying so hard to kick my donut addiction. I've been really good. But when we start talking about it I start salivating (laughs) maybe maybe even shaking so (laughs) maybe even shaking Josie thanks for (laughs) thanks for that Josie
1: well and for the record you've not at least as far as I know you have not eaten today
0: no I gotta eat
1: so like this is just talking donuts is getting your stomach gurgling Okay. Before we go, Lynn. Yes. Or a ring update, please. Yes. Last episode, I said that based on my findings of the scores, I was going to focus on recovery between episodes. I definitely, through this experience, have seen that I have focused more on the sleep score than I have the readiness score. And the readiness score, it has been really telling me, hey, you need to take it easy." And it, it coincided, this whole thought experiment coincided with I, I was sick, I had a cough for a couple of weeks, and then mm-hmm. I traveled and but still I do have this kind of new awareness of rest and recovery. So this past week I did my best to dedicate 30 minutes a day to some R. One of the 30 minutes of RR, for example, was I set an alarm on my phone and laid on my couch and watched TV. And I made myself not do anything else, Mm. and my body, it just sort of sank into the couch,
2: Mm. and I could. That's
1: because it's a new, comfortable couch. It's Mm. a super comfy couch, but (laughs) to kind of give myself a mental break of saying, no emails, no texts, no Instagram. Mm -hmm. You are laying here and zoning out, and it felt Mm -hmm. I could feel it. Yeah, it's almost you have to do like a blackout. In terms of, like, mm. tell the kids, like, screens off, phones off. Uh, that's good. Interestingly yeah. enough, Sue Inquest was telling me how colleges now are beginning to have recovery rooms for athletes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I think we're onto something here. <laughs> Topic of conversation. Mm. Something
0: I'm not very good at. Ah. Uh, um that does it for us in our dope village and thank you for spending time with us and thank you to our sponsors as always ally and dick sporting goods along with kate diaz for our theme music we'll talk at you next week remember (laughs) as always kids sing it with us Laughter laughter permitted i got you Hey there, Dope Village, give a listen to the C.J. McCollum Show, where every week New Orleans Pelican star C.J. McCollum discusses names and storylines in and around the NBA with inside perspective you can only get from someone in the locker room and on the floor. That's the C.J. McCollum Show. Listen where you are listening to this podcast.